Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you. Last time I seen you, I was, I was a bit, I was a bit drunk, wasn't I? <laughs> what? I'm wait. Now I'm shocked. I'm glad I'm sitting down because that is not behavior I've ever heard of associated with the one, the only Juno Birch. You, jo- you we don't know me very well, then, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no. When Manchester, right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. But alien. No, in don't... L.A. No, I know. I know. Well, that was quite a fun time. That was a very fun. It was. Time. Yeah, we were at Avita. Yes, we were. Very gorgeous show. Yeah, with lovely Tiffany Pollards. Indeed, yeah. It's quite the uh, amalgam of people, quite a roster of folks there. Oh, yes. I mm-hmm. love Avita. The second time I did it, and it's chaos. I need to start recording on my um, okay, terrific. voice yeah. memo. Um, let me just find it again. There we go. Right, new recording. And recording. There we go. <laughs> Beautiful. Fabulous. And I've been recording earlier, so uh, all that's free to use. You're okay with that? The word, you know, the, the inside, in, inside info about you drinking? Oh, yeah. Give a <laughs> shit. People know me. I'm a pisshead. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite tipple? What's a tipple? Tipple would be a, a nice way of saying a drink of choice. Oh, I'm a vodka lime and soda girl. Uh-huh. Have you but always been? No. Oh, I go through phases. I uh-huh. used to like red wine. Then mm-hmm. I actually got too sleepy. I used to drink Coronas. Um, also Guinness. I used to like Guinness. If I haven't eaten, I love a Guinness. Yeah. It's, it's a basically solid, a roast it's a dinner in a cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Corona phase like? Because I feel like that's uh, like embracing a type of lifestyle. Oh, many years ago. I used to like Corona, Coronas um, and Sol's. Um, with lime i just like any drink with lime really yeah but, basically um, if, it, if it leans itself towards uh being good with lime you're all for it yes i did an intolerance test recently and apparently i've learned that i'm actually intolerant to something that's in beer oh, okay yeah i can't remember what it is it's like a, a barley and um, hops yeast, or something something yeast i can't remember what it's called but oh, i can't yeah, drink yeah. it for some reason <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I think I have an intolerance to alcohol, but for entirely different reasons. I haven't, I don't drink. Uh, but uh, other things, perhaps, maybe when we were in Manchester, who knows? Who can say? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a very sober area, Manchester, as we all know. It's very it's not known for any kind of uh, jiggery pokery. So, uh, you have a tour coming up. Yes, I do. Yes, um, the Juno show is going to be arriving in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Terrific. Now, now that that's out of the way, uh, <laughs> let, we, we were talking with the last time uh, you were in town, which was only like a month ago or so. And you'll it, uh, when do you know when you'll be in L.A. for the tour? Um, I will be in L.A. on the. We can dub that in later in like a robot voice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That, that's good. I because I was gonna swipe and have look at on my phone, but I'm recording and I don't know if it's gonna stop recording. So. Oh yeah. No, that's okay. What we can do is we'll have you say every month of the year and then just like one, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm well, I'm in 
Um, America and Canada from July and August. Oh, um, okay. You know what? I think, I, I think, I don't know what's a message from above came to me. I think it, it might be August 18th. Maybe, maybe you knew all along, but you just pretended not to know. Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little slippery like that sometimes, particularly when I have a <laughs> microphone in front of me. Yes. I was a little bashful without the microphone at Avita, but now forget about it. Yeah. You feel like you're doing karaoke right now. Yeah, exactly. I was going to break into song in a few minutes, but I was going to ask you what I should sing. So that's the kind of interactive um, uh, thing I like. But I when I'd we like were hanging out, sing. I'm sorry, I stepped in your line. I think I'd like to hear you sing um, I Will Survive. Something oh. really camp and old like that. The, you know, my go-to uh, is usually Sweet Transvestite. Oh my God. So I may or may not be singing that in the talk. <gasps> really? Oh, that. Yes. Look, I, I was already beyond excited. Now I'm beyond beyond excited. Somewhere further down the lane. <laughs> what's the so the tour is a mixture of singing and uh, sculpting? Yeah, on stage. I'm playing The Sims on a laptop. Yeah, in a chair. <laughs> Can you imagine? That'd be great. That'd be that, great. that was that's what it was like last year because a lot of people in America hadn't seen me perform before. Yeah, the, before the pandemic, so they just knew me playing Sims. So they were coming to the show not knowing what I was going to do. They were like, "Are you going to play Sims?" Like they had no idea what I was going to do. I was like, "Yeah, oh, I'm going to totally play The Sims too on my laptop on the stage." Yeah. And you were like, "Wait a second, this is not a bad idea. I could do like a <laughs> second, like a second show and charge twice as much just for The Sims." Yeah, that would, that would be a very easy show. I think so because you you got heavily into the Twitch and all that stuff. I've never been on Twitch, but I'm YouTube. I used to make YouTube videos. Well, I still do make YouTube videos. Yeah, and um, a lot of the Sims videos over lockdown because I have nothing else to do. Right, but I do like making Sims videos, and I will continue to make more. Um, I just haven't. Got, I'm not really a gamer. Gamer. Uh -huh. um, what, got, what, like, what got you into The Sims, though, like specifically, if you're not a gamer? I played, this, I played The Sims my whole life, uh -huh. um, but um, and I love I loved the, Sims when I, the Sims when I was younger because I wanted to make films and I wanted to write films and things like that. So it, Sims is like a really cool way to like play out your own storylines and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the only game I really play is the sims mm -hmm. um and i noticed a lot of my work that was coming in was gamer based mm -hmm. and my passion is the stage and um like things of entertaining people on stage and stuff like that um so i i was kind of like i don't know whether i'm in the right heading in the right direction with my career here but sure. i will always make sims videos i love i love playing sims well i love that it's also the one game that you like, because I'm not a gamer. So if I hear someone's like really into a game, I just assume they're into all games, especially like role player games and everything. But you yeah. mentioned wanting to make films, and uh, what was a, a like a what are, what are a few films that sort of really triggered your imagination when you were younger? Uh, Beetlejuice was one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah. Looking at your camera now, you look like something from Beetlejuice with the blue curtains and the black <laughs> hair <laughs> and the Thank black you. nail polish. But um, Beetlejuice and Mars Attacks. I love Mars Attacks. Casting of Mars Attacks was amazing. It is. Um, and Death Becomes Her. Mm. Um, I think they're three of my top favorite movies. But nowadays, I don't really, I don't even really watch those kind of movies anymore because 
I like to switch off when I watch movies. And if yeah. I watch something like Beetlejuice or Mars Attacks, my brain starts ticking and I start thinking about drag and I start thinking about creative things. Mm-hmm. So nowadays I just either watch, you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or um, or I watch horror movies, really, really scary horror films. Because I oh. like to be, if I'm not jumping out my chair, screaming, then I'm bored. <laughs> if it doesn't haunt you later on for days yeah. afterwards, it's just not on. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm a huge fan of the horror genre as well. Uh, I wonder if you've seen Phenomena or um, any of the Argento. That, no. I'll have to send it to you. I'm a huge Argento fan, and they're just like the bloodiest, goriest, most because he he has uh, he bases them on his nightmares basically. Oh really? Yeah, and they're good, and they're Italian, so like all bets are off. All the Italian stuff is way more extreme than anything uh-huh. I hear. Any favorites recently in, in the horror genre? Oh. One of my favorite, oh, this is my new favorite horror movie, Barbarian. Ooh, I don't know this one. Oh my God. Oh, it's just, I thought, because I thought I knew what I was watching when I put it on. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I knew I was watching, but it's a completely not what I thought it was. It's, it's, it's got comedy elements in it, but it's yeah. definitely not comedy horror. Um, and it's the it's the guys in it that plays Mama. You know the really tall, skinny guy with the twisty arms. Okay, he plays yeah. a lot of like ghoulish things in horror movies. And mm-hmm. um, he plays like this really scary woman that's been underground for years. Oh, oh that my sounds God. good. The, the thing that scares me most in horror movies is like someone who's like really big but really skinny and naked with like a bald head and they're really <laughs> fast. That's like the thing that terrifies me. Yes. I, I gore, I gore doesn't scare me, but jumpy like things. I'm just, I'm very jumpy. Yeah, there was that one where there the kids find a, like an eight millimeter projector upstairs in the attic, and that movie for some, I can't remember the name of it, but that and it's, it's like sinister. Kids, yes, that's it. Thank you very yeah. much. And I forget the name of it all the time. That bothered me for days. That was and a really eerie movie. It really was. I think it's because you know the kids end up involved in the murder of the parents, and that I was like, oof, I couldn't do, uh, I couldn't deal with that. But yeah, I, well, I'll have to send you some horror films. I'm glad to hear that you're in there. It's funny though how you know there's an area that you're focused on, and it really inspires you, and then uh, you have to sort of skip it because otherwise your mind just goes right into work mode. Yeah, it's the same. Well, when I when I used to want would do short films at uni, mm-hmm. um, I kind of completely went off watching films because because I'm, I can't switch off when I'm watching them and yeah. um, so I like to watch things that are kind of completely not to do with Juno yeah um, like I, I love Drag Race and I yeah. love watching Drag Race I will always love Drag Race but sometimes at night time before I go to bed and I want to watch something I can't watch Drag Race because I'll start thinking about work and I'll start thinking about um shows coming up or you know, You'd be like, that bitch, I hate that one. <laughs> <laughs> and you got into drag a little later than people might have expected, right? Because it wasn't the first art form that you no, were brought well, into. I, yeah, I did a lot of sculptures and illustrations before I did drag. Um, but when I say that, people think I'm going to be really like art. You know, <laughs> I'm an artist <laughs> and everything. I'm really not. I'm like a working class bastard and I'm very humor, like humorous with what I do. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I started doing sculptures and drawings and then it kind of, I wanted to be on stage and I, I 
it, the the look kind of just fell into place. Mm-hmm. But it was that sort of uh, not de- yeah, I guess derived from the work that you were doing previously. Where did you use a lot of blue? Yeah, well, I, even before I was doing sculptures and illustrations online and stuff, I was going to like house parties and stuff painted blue, just because. I honestly can't even explain. I just thought I looked really gorgeous, blue. Yeah, well, I you do. Snazaro. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know. I know. But, um, <laughs> I I was. I just, and songs I makeup. By the way, I just would like to say. The what makeup? I know uh, songs makeup. You uh, you do as well. Songs oh, song, makeup. Yeah, it's uh uh just without makeup. Oh, oh, right. Yes, I know. Very, very fresh face today. I have got a smoothing filter on. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> but, um, I'm actually yeah. uh, being played by a sim. That's how it works, right? Like I, so I'm, I'm operating this from over the other side of the room. Yes. Uh, the last time we were hanging out, we had a really interesting talk about the differences in UK and US healthcare, and particularly how it impacted you on your journey uh-huh. uh, for transitioning. And I'd love oh, to yeah. get, I'd love to get into that, um, starting with what age you realized that you were trans? Well, the thing is, is there was never really the words to describe it when I was younger. And mm-hmm. because it wasn't really, people didn't even really use the word transgender very openly. It was kind of only things that you would see in entertainment when they'd say sex change. Right. Um, right. So it, I didn't really know how to explain it. But the only way that from very, very young age, I just said that I'm a girl and but I think when I hit puberty, that's when I couldn't cope anymore with mm-hmm. um, what was happening to my body. Because it, every transgender person is different. So I'm not, not every trans woman will say the same thing. But for me, I couldn't function. Um, Did that present uh, in like um, heavy depression, not being able to just do the oh, day-to-day yeah. things? Oh, yeah. Like I, it, for me, it was either transition or just die <laughs> but like i because i i was just there was just no way that i was gonna live in in that body yeah. um because it the, when i was going through puberty there was things happening to my body that i didn't really was so uncomfortable with um so yeah i i, I it, it was a very early age that i transitioned but not medically um medically i think i was about 16 17 when i had hormones um but because i was so young i was on a hormone blocker first mm-hmm. which was would slow down the testosterone levels to reduce the pain that i was suffering with with the dysphoria yeah um yeah but it's, it's crazy nowadays you hear all these people saying that kids are medically transitioning kids can't medically transition right they never have yeah it's not legal and it never yeah. has been they're not just like spoon feeding five-year-olds <laughs> fucking estrogen on a spoon are they like it's just <laughs> so ridiculous yeah well um, right now yeah it's a crazy time for using trans yeah. people as the confusing target for a bunch of people who just sort of have this uh amorphous anger about the world and then it's like yeah it's them it's those those folks over there and yeah. really, the, and the percentage of trans people compared to, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly what other group you, you'd want to compare to. It's um, rather small, really. And they're trying, oh, to, yeah, they, yeah. The tra- the population of transgender people is tiny on the earth, and it's fascinating how people are so obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's because 
I personally think it's because we're more years and years ago trans I can say about transgender women is it was more of a taboo it was more of like I used to be a man and then it was kind of okay joke over forget about it kind of thing whereas now rightfully so we're proud of being transgender and we love being transgender and it's nothing to be ashamed of um and I think that's why the transphobia is really high right now because they can't stand to see us Happy and not yeah. ashamed of being transgender right yeah it was okay when people were like okay you you just get, be miserable over there and embarrassed of yourself and we're happy about that because that makes yeah. us feel better about yeah. sort of being the majority etc yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they're very healthy people that's what we're basically what we're getting at is they're very sane people <laughs> but we were talking about the the uh um i guess the route one would take uh, and how it's different in the UK and the US. And I was talking uh, a while ago to Lana Pillay, aka Lana P, about what it was like in the early 80s and the difficulty with the GP uh, sort of having a, a, a personal bias against yeah. uh, what was available anyway, but you know, so, so switching GP. So uh, what was the, the medical uh, aspect of that like? And uh, wh- what did you come up against in that process? Well, I was very, very lucky because my family were supportive of me. So I think the very, very first time that we ever told a medical professional was when me and I asked my mom if she would come with me to the doctors, to the GP, to talk about it because I knew that there was help out there. Um, And she came with me and we told the doctor and the doctor was like, (laughs) I don't know, like I, I am, this is out of my... He wasn't like transphobic. He was just honest and completely like, I don't know about this. I'm going to refer you to a child's um, mental health clinic to um, discuss it with them, see if they can help you talk through issues and that kind of thing. Because in the UK, when you go through the NHS, there's this whole years and years and years and years and years before you can actually get any medical help. Um, whereas I think in a lot of places, maybe like America, I don't know what it, what it's well, like. The, the, uh, one of the things I want, why I want to talk about this with you is because there's so many fascinating differences. Like the NHS is amazing for, uh, that it's free. It's part of the system or it's part of what you get as a citizen who pays taxes, et cetera. But mm-hmm. there's a, I think some kind of gulf in the mental health realm between America and the UK. And it's not that they're not compassionate, but again, like you said, the GP was like, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of GPs, uh, or as they call them here, PCPs, uh, primary care uh, physicians, would maybe have the same uh, reaction. But the waiting mm-hmm. lists, right, over there, and I'm curious if the if you know or maybe have a theory about whether or not certain issues are a longer wait. Like, you know, if someone is, uh, I don't know, either seeking bipolar treatment or if someone's seeking, uh, I don't know, they have suicidal ideation, obviously that would get put up to the top. But uh, is it? Do you think that there was any um, delay because of the type of issue that you were seeking? I probably. I mean, I think. I think a lot of the waiting lists probably have a lot to do with the fact that the transgender percentage is so small, and that there aren't enough qualified um, doctors to treat tran- transgender patients mentally or. Um, medically i think maybe 
Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Like, I, for me, it was so crazy because I even got referred for surgery years before it happened because it, there was a whole complication with my doctor, my surgeon leaving the NHS in the middle mm. of my waiting list. So I got postponed even more years, like things like that. And I feel like if I was to transition again, like if I went back in time, I would have preferred to uh, like work my ass off and pay for it probably. Because right. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's it, I don't know what it's like in America. I mean, I've heard in California there's a lot of um, clinics speci- specified to transgender people, um, which obviously you pay for, though, in, in America. You pay yeah. healthcare. Um, so I don't know. That's definitely the what? downside here is that a lot of stuff is very expensive. For instance, Ada and I had a child in, in England and yeah. the care we got and even the aftercare with, uh, you know, therapy, family therapy, et cetera. Uh, the, the price of it over here would just been shocking, you know, uh, debilitating yeah. really. So I get there's pluses and minuses, but, uh, um, yeah, the mental health stuff is interesting because a lot of people are on waiting lists for even getting, uh, diagnosed for ADHD or, Mm-hmm. what have you and so and it's a long process like even if you get yeah. into the front door you got to wait a long time but yeah like i i swear to god i i think i'm i think i must have adhd or autism or something um but i've just never got the patience to to wait years to really with ADHD, anybody about it <laughs> with adhd you didn't have the patience that, that's surprising i have adhd and uh, ada is on the autism spectrum so uh-huh. it's in, and we complement each other in various ways of thinking and everything like something yeah. will be very challenging for me but be incredibly easy for her and vice versa so that's yeah. i find really helpful um well since it, the next time you're in uh the the uh, united states as they're calling them lately uh you could probably arrange a screening for that because i've I found that knowing and also being on medication is very helpful. When you do that, though, does it happen instantly or do you have to wait a while to see anyone? Well, you know, uh, the instant thing can actually happen in the UK as well, but you got to go private. I was diagnosed officially uh, or finally officially bipolar last year, but we uh, managed to get a, psych- a psychiatrist appointment within like a day and a half. Of uh-huh. me- and, but then I wow. was, big- yeah, it was because I called like a Harley Street clinic that I had seen after i'd gotten sick in 2020 and i didn't know mm-hmm. what was going on so i was like i just went right to the the clinic i didn't because i didn't think i could get help at the nhs because i'm not a citizen and they referred me right away and you really have to uh, pay a lot but it's you're you leave at the end of the day and you have a diagnosis i, I, I mean as long really? as you have a yeah as long as you have a good psychiatrist and i i could give you the name of someone too if you'd uh if you'd like someone i found We're very, sharing uh, therapy therapists information right now yes yes that's right that's right yes yeah, so we'll do that <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll do that well, off, like, what was I, gonna, want... I was gonna say then um i i i think i'm doing it soon because um i because i'm going on tour i kind of need to make sure i'm really healthy and fit because last year I nearly bloody died when by the time we got to wash it by the time we got to Seattle and Portland I was nearly dead so <laughs> I, 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 I need this year I nearly re- need to make sure that I am healthy before we go on tour so we've Phil's helping me sort out booking an appointment privately to do like a um health checkup thing you know yeah, like that, an instant one 
That's good. Yeah. And when you're really busy and you're creating a lot of stuff and you're touring around uh, a lot, it can be easy to neglect that stuff. Have you like, do you find that you don't like look at sort of like, for instance, cholesterol? I just got a shocking reading recently. But uh, how are you with uh, health in general? Oh, oh, I'm terrible. Oh, gosh. Cholesterol (laughs) is through the roof. Chain smoking, asthmatic. I'm going to be dead by the time I'm talking, honestly. Well, smoking um, asthmatic, I mean, I got to applaud you for that because that is dedication. (laughs) Well, I've smoked most of my life, (laughs) but I found out I had asthma probably like four or five years ago. Okay. Um, How did did you start finding it out? Was it that you were uh, like feeling allergic reactions and quotes to things? Because my brother's asthmatic and I've seen it my whole life. But when you discover it later on, it's kind of confusing. And... Well, I, I just, I think I, I think what happened was I went to the doctors because I was, couldn't breathe very well. Mm-hmm. This is years and years ago. And, and she was like, well, we're going to book you in for an asthma test. Yeah. So she did like a thing where I blow into a pipe mm-hmm. and she was like, blow as hard as you can. And then I, I blowed we're, into the pipe. We were like, well, we've heard that before. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, you know, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Um, but she also, uh, I was like, blowing as hard as I could. And she's like, no, you're supposed to like give your biggest breath. And I was like, that was. And then she did it like multiple times. Yeah. And then you take the inhaler and then you do it again. She was like, you have very, very severe asthma. And she gave me like steroids inhalers and things. Um, so that's when my journey to no smoking started and didn't actually go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it sounded like a short journey. And then you turned the car around and went back yeah. to a different town. Well, it, I really do need to quit smoking, but I, I've tried ch- chewing gum. I've tried lozenges. I've tried patches. I've tried, oh my God, I've tried everything. Um, but the one thing I haven't tried, which people have recommended as hypnosis oh okay yeah so i'm tempted to do it i might try and do it. i don't know where i go or whatever i think phil found something on the internet but i want to go and get hypnotized to stop smoking yeah it'd be interesting to see because some people are not susceptible or i think that's the word or uh, there's a there's a nicer word than susceptible to uh oh, oh we have a note by the way uh, Jasmine, yeah, Jasmine uh, says uh, it doesn't work being there done that. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, Jasmine, please uh, send us a note. Are you still a smoker or have you done what I've done, which is go to the vape, which rarely leaves my hand, but still. We'll find out it from Jasmine. Uh, oh, still, an, still an asthmatic, asthmatic smoke? smoker. Yes, Jasmine. Look at this. I like knew it. you understood me. <laughs> but um, say vaping, though, I tried going to vaping years ago, and honestly, it made me so much worse. Really? Because I was breathing in water. So I was oh. getting all these water and chemicals yeah. in my lungs. And I was like right. waking up every morning, like coughing, like water up. So yeah. vapes were worse, I think, for me. Yeah. For me, it, it, it solved a lot of problems. And I could start smelling things. Like, I'm, weirdly, the, the first thing I remember smelling very clearly was onions in the fridge. And I was like, wow, that's great. I'd like to smell something good now to change that. <laughs> But uh, I did after that. Um, and then, which reminds me of in COVID times when I would be grabbing the bag of coffee all constantly and sticking my face in it to smell it. But um, did you get did you catch the COVID during the, the time that no yes, one wants to talk I about it? Yes, I did. Uh-huh. I did. It, I can't remember when it was, but it was, I've had it twice. And both times were over Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, both no. times. 
which bearing in mind is also my birthday, but also kind of Wait. a good time to get COVID because I'm not working on yeah. Christmas Day. Everybody's not booked and whatnot, so it kind of was convenient. <laughs> so you were born on Christmas Day? Yes, I am Jesus Christ. That's what we were getting to. We didn't want to get to it right at the top of the show. We'll save it for a little <laughs> later. <laughs> Do you like Christmas? Are you a big Christmas? Like uh... I absolutely hate Christmas. <laughs> no, I I do. No, I have people say I'm such a miserable cunt for saying that, but I I'm allowed to hate Christmas because it's my birthday. The thing is, the one thing I want to do on my birthday is go out and get absolutely bladdered in the clubs. <laughs> yeah. I want to go partying. I want to see all my friends. I want to go to a drag show. Yeah. But can't do any of that because everything is closed on Christmas. It's sad. And especially in the UK. I mean, I was really shocked. Like, Ada was like, no, no, get everything you need because there's nothing. At about yeah. Some things open maybe to 2 p.m., but even that's rare. It's but, ghost town. Yeah. Although I kind of like that because a lot of like there's shops, uh, like big stores open in the US. And I'm like, do you really need to put these people through this on this day? Just give them a little yeah. bit of a break. But, you know, you mentioned Phil and uh, Phil is so lovely. And also uh, seemingly uh, from what you said, too, you pointed out that Phil uh, helps uh, out in uh, looking after you in so many ways, not just obviously being your um, partner, but yeah. in, in business stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I either have the mental capacity of a 95-year-old or a five-year-old, but I, so traveling and, you know, we travel a lot for work. So having him there is kind of like, it just, I don't have to think about which which way I entered the shop and which way I come out. Like, I... I will if I was in an airport on my own, I mm-hmm. would literally get on the wrong plane. Like I am <laughs> so clumsy. Um, well, you know, so, you, yeah. say, you say clumsy, but also, so say you get you find out that you're ADHD. There's a lot of things like clumsy, lazy that that people say because they don't know that they have ADHD, and because of social conditioning, when we, you know, we're not meeting the the sort of standard of other people's expectations mm-hmm. that a lot of that stuff gets uh, l- layered onto you. But, and, and I think we were talking about this uh, when you were here about the, the compatibility with you and Phil, like yeah. the ways your mind uh, minds work, uh, it can, uh, um, you know, what, what's the word? Um, not complete. Cause that's, I didn't want to say that, but they, <laughs> they mesh well, they work well together. Yeah. Well, Phil, Phil's got autism as well. That's so, right. Um, yeah, that's what we, that's what we that's why we were talking about that. Yeah. Well, th- I think that you two are a mirror of me and Ada because uh, I I would say you probably are ADHD. Uh, also, with associative thinking, which is a big part of ADHD, I imagine mm-hmm. plays a big part in your work and also watching your basically improv bits on Instagram or YouTube and everything. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a large feature of it. Yeah. Well, I I mean, you know, I said it. I, I say it as a joke now and again. And, um, and people are like, they, there's no reaction because they thought that I was already like knew that I had it or something. So, because because I'm like when I when I those YouTube videos where everything's going when I'm talking on the videos and I'm editing the videos back, I can see myself in mid sentence going to something completely different, <laughs> and it's a nightmare to edit because it's like <laughs> this video does not make sense. But that's the thing; it's like I. I'm starting to embrace that more now because 
I always felt like I had to try and make sense of things when I'm talking, but I've realized people actually enjoy watching me be sporadic and not make sense of what I'm saying. So the judo show is going to be a lot of that. Well, that, yeah, no. <laughs> It's not going to make any sense, but you're going to have a good time. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like a David Lynch film, like Lost Highway. I was telling someone the other day, I love that movie. I can't <laughs> tell you what it's about whatsoever, but it's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I found this thing out recently about myself. Uh-huh. I am actually, um, I have synesthesia, which mm. is, um, so I was talking about it online on, on like a video about how every every letter or every name, um, a number has a colour in my head. Mm-hmm. And it's a very specific thing that, that I've had. And I was talking about doing the Trixie Juno palette and how those words I associate that colour with. So that's what I was talking about. And then people were like, that's called synesthesia. So I did this in deep, in-depth um, analysis test or whatever, where they basically ask you, what color is this number? What mm-hmm. color is this letter? And you say the answer. And it is hundreds and hundreds of questions. And they, they try and trick you and ask you the exact same ones to see if you answer them differently uh-huh. or whether the letter has changed color or anything. And I'm not even kidding you. I had 100% results. Every single letter had the exact same color and the exact same um, matching thing to them. Um, mm-hmm. Which is fascinating. I, I didn't yeah. even know this thing existed, but um, I thought everybody just thought like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like cer- uh, certain words have a, not a flavor, but there's a certain thing I associate with certain words. Like there's a, there's a texture or something. But uh, I, <clears throat> I don't have uh, the thing with colors, but I remember you talking about that. And you also have that with people. Like you see uh, what some would call an aura. Yes. Well, everybody has a color. Mm-hmm. You're a very pale yellow. I like that. Um, I'm a green. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil is a very dark brownie, brownie black color. Um, it's usually people's 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 colors are usually to do with the name mm-hmm. and the first few letters of the name. Um, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> now, what about um, uh, uh, music? Do you see colors when you hear music? Because the other, no. I, I, this is uh, m- this is more information I, I've uh, known about synesthesia than previous, and I'd only really heard about it with certain composers where they associate uh, colors with music. So that, but that doesn't happen for you. No, unless it's like a name of a song. Mm-hmm. If it's a word, then it will have a color. But, okay. Um, in terms of hearing sounds, I mm-hmm. don't really associate that with color. I don't think. What's some of your favorite uh, music lately? And then we'll get back to Orange and the Story. Oh, well, I, well, I've been listening to a lot of the stuff from the stuff building up to the tour for rehearsing. Oh, sure. A Lady Gaga Americano is, I'm obsessed with that song at the moment. So that's giving me very lobster vibes. So <laughs> that song is going to be very lobstery. Um, okay. Also, I, I love listening to like Bossa Nova. Mm-hmm. and um lots of elevator music i'm um, so into elevator music and what they used to call library music which mm-hmm. is sort of like almost there was a great fake duran duran i found the other day there's a whole cache of it on youtube i'll have to send to you because uh, it's like yeah. music yeah i listen to a lot of um like opera music mm. but I can never remember any names of opera songs because they're always so long. But <laughs> I usually will just have like a playlist that plays on of like um, opera stuff. Yeah. 
what what do you listen to when you first get up? Do you listen to like podcasts or what are you thinking about when you wake up? I don't really listen to when I first wake up, I, you know, coffee and a cigarette and shit. That's that's (laughs) me in a nutshell in the morning. There's not really I remember you sorry to interrupt, but I remember you had to save that one cigarette at the end of the night because without it. (laughs) I'd be constipated (laughs) on the plane. Can't can't... be having that. No, 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 no. Certainly not. But um, yeah, when, when I'm on a night out and someone asks me for a cigarette and I've got two left, I'm like, no, you can fuck off. That many <laughs> morning cigarettes. Do you, um, stick, do you stick to one brand all the time or is that difficult with traveling? In the UK, yes. I, I always smoke Sterling Jewels because um, they're the closest thing to mental that's left. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Has there been a restriction on flavors there? Oh, it's banned. It's completely banned. Oh, wow. Menthol. I think it's in America now as well. Because I remember I went, I was like, can't wait to get to America and buy some menthol cigarettes. Went to the shop that's like, they're gone. Wow. Because um, I knew that they they banned all the other flavors and they made it they, them take off the words light or medium. And then they, so they would have different like bold or different names yeah. like that. Hmm. I can't believe we're this far into the future and no one's invented a healthy cigarette. I know. And I think they tried to. There's <laughs> I think it's in the book Barbarians at the Gate. There was a whole thing where they tried to do like a smoke almost smokeless cigarette or a light smoke cigarette. And they did. They tried. I think they tried, but probably half heartedly because big tobacco was thriving in the mid eighties. Yeah. It's okay. Well, I mean vape, but they've created vapes, which are supposed to be healthier, but I think well, they're just as bad to be honest. Well, they could be. I'll find out in a few years when I just keel over. Um, <laughs> but back to origin story. Uh, the um, your family sounds lovely, and they were supportive from the word go with your transition. Yeah. Well, I came. Well, I think I was. I came out as gay for a very short time. I think I was probably gay for about two months <laughs> um, until I, I, that was like a way of slowly telling people that I was transgender. Sure. Um, but, gay for two uh, months, wasn't... and you weren't even in college yet, so that's impressive. Yeah, that's usually when people yeah. are gay for two months. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I... Um, so... I did, I don't think my parents were shocked at all. Um, they were, like, worried about me because mm-hmm. of how... Um, what I was wanting to do with my body. Um, and obviously it took some adjusting to change pronouns and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it it really wasn't, I mean, it was, it was re- what the most stressful part of it all was the process of seeing doctors and, and therapists and everything like that. That was the thing that really affected my mom because it was so much, it was so draining to constantly go to those appointments and um, kind of almost have to prove that I was trans to be able to get any medical help. Um, What's that process, uh, in, at least in the UK, like to, to say, uh, quote unquote, you know, I mean, prove? Is it the psychological interviews, et cetera? Yeah. So it's kind of like, um, so I went to a child therapist because I was only like 14. Yeah. So if you're under 18, you go to like a child therapist who's like a gender um, psychologist who kind of will evaluate the situation. They don't give go-aheads on any medical things. It's literally just there for you to stay alive and have somebody to talk to. 
Sure. Um, and they kind of assess you in a way that's kind of like, do you fit all the the requirements of gender dysphoria? And then they will diagnose you with gender dysphoria if you have it or not. Um, yeah, and I think that's that was the process years ago. Yeah. Um, it might have changed. I mean, I went, I went to the Tavistock Clinic when I was younger, which they literally saved my life. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad now because um, they've had to shut down because of the the media was saying that they were experimenting on kids and uh. J.K. Rowling was shouting her head off about how they're giving children these med- this medication and everything. So because of J.K. Rowling, that 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 hospital is now shut down, um, which is very sad. Yeah, it's very sad. And when you were uh... We were talking before about depression and everything. Like, what, what, how is your day to day affected by like everyone's depression is a different flavor? Uh, what was your day to day like during that period or maybe even before? I was just very, very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but my personality changed drastically when I transitioned because when I was in school, um, when I made that change, it yeah. kind of happened gradually over time it wasn't like oh they want to be a girl like it wasn't (laughs) like that you know it was it was it just kind of gradually kind of um slowly happened and people could see it happening Mm -hmm. um but i went from a very very quiet boy um who just kept to themselves wasn't very outspoken to literally like the loudest bitch (laughs) ever um but people could see that i was happy so um it was a drastic change in my personality and what's your folks background where did they grow up um cheshire i think Mm -hmm. both of my parents are from cheshire um my dad's was been a head chef for many many years my mum's um, used to be a teacher once and uh, for a short time then she was a, a stay-at-home mom for many years very and, working class backgrounds yeah now did you did you grow up in manchester am i right in that no i grew up in Runcorn and frontcham oh what's the wait Run corn and frontcham right? like run and oh, corn okay run corn <laughs> yeah shit all but um <laughs> they, they were like very very like uh out not in the middle of nowhere, but kind of rough areas to grow uh, up. Oh, okay. So, so like remote and rough. Yeah. Yeah. And then when did you move to Manchester? You live in Manchester, right? Am yeah, I, I right live in Manchester. Okay. I, <laughs> I, just, I, lived... I thought I was like, am I right about the Manchester? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I lived in London for two years. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, too expensive. Was mm-hmm. like, no. And then I moved to Manchester with Phil probably about seven years ago. Hmm. How I've long have you and now. Phil been together? Eight years. Where did you meet? In Frodsham, in my hometown. Oh. So he he's from Glasgow. We're not from Glasgow. He's from what's it called? A little tiny town in in North. Oh, Scotland. I know, no, uh, tiny town Scotland. I, I've heard of that. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> that's a famous famous place. That wonderful cheese. <laughs> And uh, Marnock, some kind of... something Marnock, come on, uh, Marnock or something. <laughs> I can't remember, but um, Jasmine, was... can you help us with this, please? You, <laughs> um, yeah, where he, oh, she's working <laughs> on it. This is great, Jasmine. Godsend, thank you. 
Um, but uh, yeah, he moved. He moved to Bodgem for like uh, I think he did Union Leeds, and then mm-hmm. he was living in Bodgem, and I was living in Bodgem, and then we just kind of met. Um, going out to the pub. Mm-hmm. And what was your dating life before that? Um, very weird. I mean, I, I the thing is, I was a lot more. I had my moments when I was younger. You know, <laughs> did my little slutty era. Yeah, but it was weird dating um, as a trans woman because a lot of the men that would want to date me would be straight men. So it was. It was hard because it was complicated. Um, um, but, you know, I'm happy now that I'm kind of settled with my man. Yeah. So when you say complicated, was there like a, a, an element of sort of uh, fetishization of the fact yes. that you were trans? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, but the thing is, I didn't mind that kind of if it wasn't meant to be like serious or anything it wasn't really that i didn't mind that but um yeah, it's not serious is, you're just like hey great you want whatever but let's have fun <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is the thing is though a lot of that a lot of that time because for me not all trans women are the same as this but for me i couldn't use the front part of my body that was just not in use mm-hmm. i didn't want to use it because i was uncomfortable with it um so it was a lot of like sexual experiences where I couldn't, I didn't want to use that part of my body. So, sure. um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we're getting then... in depth here, aren't we? Goodness gracious. <laughs> me. That's what I like. That's what, that's what the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some more light frivolous topics as we've been uh, discussing this entire time. When, when uh, did you get comfortable with using uh, the front of you? And now I, I, I hope this is, I never pro- did. And I oh, never, really? for oh, okay. many, many years, no, never did. And then I had surgery when I was 22. Okay. So that, then after that, and I hope this isn't improper to ask, uh, because mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but then after that, w- was there still a period of uncomfortability with that because no. of the accrued? No. Okay. So it was no, after that. Not at all. Okay. Wow. I was like, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm free. Yeah. No, it was, it was, I was just. Yeah, like the way that my body adjusted to that so fast um, was in crazy how that because well, humans the, are able to do that. Like, yeah, well, you were you then, and so when you're you, it you can you're you're able to do yeah. the things, the stuff, the stuff, and the things. But I think I think the misconception at the moment is that is that that's what all transgender people aspire to be, or that that's their goal and it's 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 not true like i know so many transgender women who are comfortable not having the surgery and mm. not having hormones even sure um because it's not about it's just about how you feel inside and where you're comfortable um yeah. right it's different for everyone but in your case it happened to be that process yeah oh yeah when you went to uni, then uh, is that when you started getting into film? Because you said you did made short films then. Yes. So I, well, I, I think in, co- in college as well. So I went from school to college. Oh wait, how does that work again? Because I'm American and I always forget. Oh, yeah. I can't. It's confusing as hell. <laughs> so, so in high school, you leave high school at sixteen, and then you're free to do whatever you want. Um, get a job or go to college 
But before you go to university, you have to go to college, which is usually around two to three years. Um, so I went to I, I went to my first college I went to in Warrington. Oh mm-hmm. my god, that was awful. Um <laughs> what's Warrington tran- like besides awful? What's the general oh, vibe? Oh, it was horrendous. But it was it was horrendous because it was so transphobic. Like I even had a tutor come up to me once and said, she took me aside and we were doing drama class and she said, um, just want to let you know that um when you're working in pairs, can you make sure that you only work with people from your high school that know that you're transgender? And I was like, "What? why? And they were like, because some of the students might feel uncomfortable touching you or being intimate with you in a monologue setting or acting out Romeo and Juliet or whatever. I was like, fucking hell. And then the next minute they were like, you can't go in the girls' toilets, you have to use the disabled toilets. And I was just like... I am leaving. <laughs> so I went yeah. to Manchester College and I didn't tell anyone that I was transgender. Mm-hmm. I, I just went to college um, not telling anyone. So nobody knew. I mean, people probably suspected that I was trans because of my voice and everything. But um, yeah, and it's not nice being transgender and not being able to be open about it and tell people. Um, so it wasn't great, but eventually I was just, proud of being trans and whatnot well it seems to make sense though when you did uh, go to the other school just you know after dealing with that kind of constant uh hassle and oppression particularly in theater because i when you said when you described like what the pairing would be i don't think i heard the theater part and i was like oh yeah theater kids theater kids are very very like you know not understanding of uh, anything theater kids you know usually people say theater kids is a euphemism for gay kids <laughs> <laughs> so and but what what uh, brought you to warrington like what's the path college there because everyone else was going college there in my high school yeah um and i was literally there i think i was there for three weeks three weeks that that sounds about right for what you described yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) what about friendships and 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 all that during that time or uh prior i find it really hard i make friends really easy but i find it hard to maintain friendships with people because i'm very I go through phases of hiding mm-hmm. and I've always been like that. I kind of like, um, I kind of like go, will just not want to do anything for so long. With <laughs> I want I to do nothing with nobody for. Yeah, I the, <laughs> no, I love having friends. Like I have friends, but I've like, <laughs> I, I, I worry about the pressures of having friends, you know, I don't know. What are some of the pressures? Because I, I I understand what you mean. Because sometimes uh, you can go, well, if I do this, then they're going to want to do that. And then I, I don't want to do that. I want to have some free time. Well, like call, sort of... call you all time. Yeah. FaceTime. I'm not fucking picking that up. I'm in pajamas. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just weird. <laughs> well, I think everyone has, uh, just like you said before, everyone's different. Everyone's different with that. And, you know, they talk about attachment styles, they being, the, I, I guess, everyone else. Um, but people talk about attachment styles a lot now and anxious and insecure and then other things. I think some people are more anxious about their friendships and almost need to feel like they're constantly connected. Uh, mm. And clearly, it seems like you have a more secure uh, attachment with all of that. But also, I was wondering what friendships were like in uh, high school. 
Um, so I, I, I was never in one of the groups. Mm-hmm. Um, when I once after I transitioned, I was so loud and naughty <laughs> in school, and I was kind of like, I kind of like went from group to group. Like I was, I kind of friends with everybody in high school, and even like what was weird is that like the the the, the boys, football mm-hmm. boys, yeah, the ones that would like bully me years ago like when yeah. I was very feminine it we got to a point where I was so confident and so bitchy that to the point where they didn't dare say anything and yeah. they were kind of like friends sure. um that I knew so it was kind of like weird I don't know well, it's almost like that thing with not exactly the same but it's like if someone's bullying you and pushing you like your shoulder and stuff and then you punch them square in the face suddenly there's this respect like suddenly they're like, oh yeah, you're great. <laughs> well, I, I, when I was in primary school, uh, which is what do you call it in America? Uh, no, I think primary school they they do that here as well. But I think the age range is different. It's like elementary, uh, primary, or no? Yeah, uh, I, I'm probably getting this wrong. Uh, Jasmine will scold me later. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, ele- uh, preschool, elementary. That's it. Elementary school, and then middle school, and then high school. Yeah. So I think probably like primary school, which is like the age of like seven-ish, maybe mm-hmm. eight-ish. There was this girl that used to bully me all the time. She used to punch me in the arm. Mm-hmm. And she used to go, I can hit you because I'm a girl and you can't hit me back because you're a boy. And she used to do it all the time and it yeah. really fucking hurt. So one day I had this Thomas the Tank Engine plastic <laughs> lunchbox. <laughs> and I tell you not, I swung that around smacked in the face <laughs> <laughs> and it's the best thing if I'm done. I don't contone violence but she had it coming listen I don't know if you saw the movie Tar but there's a, a moment where one of the uh, people in it deals with a bully and, I, I, and I'm like uh, 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 oh no thank you I did thank you very much Jasmine Jasmine just sent a, a note of support and approval and I I, uh, I appreciate that Jasmine and want to let you know uh, <laughs> so um, but anyway there's someone uh, an adult deals with a child bully in a certain way that I was like that's good other people have different opinions but you know look someone's hitting you in the arm all the time they deserve a lunchbox to the face that's how i feel kids yeah uh <laughs> but you, you mentioned a, a couple tim burton films earlier so i imagine that you're a fan of the entire works or the collected works of tim burton oh absolutely but especially his early stuff mm-hmm. um like edwards is a hand beetlejuice mars attacks um the claymation movies like before Christmas Cops Bride, Frank and Weenie. Yeah. Um, loved all those when I was younger. Um, but his older stuff ha- is definitely what I prefer. But I think his last film that he did that I really, really loved was Dark Shadows. Oh, I want to see that. And that's based on the old show that used to run like five years Yeah, in the week, 70s. Right? And it's yeah. set in the 70s. And okay. I just love... Colleen Atwood does like the costumes for a lot of Tim Burton movies. Mm-hmm. And her work is just, oh my God, it's so good. Like, the, it, every, she makes every outfit look like it's a cartoon character's outfit, mm-hmm. but in live action. And that's what I kind of like like my drag to look like. It's like I'm like, I'm like a cartoon character, but it's live action. And what was the process of, of starting to actually do drag? Uh, you said you mentioned the the blue look and everything going to house parties and raves. I'm imagining I, I wouldn't want to put words in your mouth or uh, or cast aspersions. <laughs> but uh, when was the switch over to drag? 
yeah from just you know going out and having a good time and all that in um uh, i think i think uh there was this night called creatures of catharsis mm-hmm. and it was like a very queer um cabaret night where lots of trans people and queer people would perform um and i just really wanted to perform at it so i just asked and they said yes and i put together a track which was like i played this little avon lady um with a lipstick that i drew all over my face kind of like a mandala <laughs> paw in the um you know it, it kind of like that and it was um i loved it i absolutely loved it and I realized because I used to do drama a lot when I was younger in in high school mm-hmm. and a lot of the theatre stuff. And then I stopped doing that because I wanted to film. But then going back on stage and doing drag on stage, it brought back that happiness mm-hmm. of a passion that I just missed so much. And also, I'm a massive attention seeker. So, um, <laughs> so it's that perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also with film, it's a very solitary process, really. I mean, even if you're working with a bunch of people, it's and- stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a stressful job. And also, I was when I was in uni, everybody was getting like jobs in the film industry. So people were getting these amazing jobs, like on um, Jungle Book and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah. oh my god, that's that's amazing. But it was literally like getting coffee for the director and stuff like that. And I just I didn't want to work my way up like that. I just kind of, I feel like nowadays a lot of film directors don't, that's not usually how they become film directors nowadays. I mean, it used to happen like that in the 80s and 90s, I think. Yeah. But nowadays it's more, everything's just all online, social yeah, it's media. Not necessarily it? a free-for-all, but you know, talent will rise if the uh, platform is available. So yeah. you got YouTube, you have mainly YouTube, but then TikTok as well, because there's some TikTokers who are basically making short films in the construction and uh, delivery of them or presentation yeah. of them. And I think that there is much more of a, truly a democratization of that uh, aspect. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. Like, there's this whole system. Yeah, PA and then an assistant and then all that stuff. And I think people really had, well, back in the days when it was just film, I think that was uh, the only thing they could do, unless they like happened into someone like Roger Corman, where they, you know, they he'd be like, "Ah, oh, you seem pretty smart. You want to write a script? Okay, yeah, that one worked. You want to direct a film?" So yeah. that, yeah, there was a lot of like, I feel like the film industry. There's a lot of just like sucking up for the sake of your own benefit, and I, yeah. I just was like, I'm not groveling to anybody. I'm a queen, so I was like, <laughs> I'm, I want to be on stage, so um. Yeah, I love my job. Yeah, well, clearly. And we love your job and how you do it. Um, Thank you. (laughs) You you must have developed a pretty keen sense of radar for that kind of thing. Someone trying to get uh, something off of you or something like that as you were performing. And you mean in like... In like drag, you mean like in events? No, I'm sorry. I should uh, Let me clarify. Like As your career has grown and grown, uh, you can sense like when people are like for some reason feel like if they're like uh, hanging around that some of the glory will rub off or perhaps because we were talking about that in the film business. So I'm wondering if you've experienced that. Oh, you mean like riding coattails? Yes. Like I ride Pr- Trixie's coattails. <laughs> She's got a big coat. <laughs> it's a very big coat. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, the thing is, the thing is in the drag industry, everybody's everybody's performing all the time. Yeah. Um, 
so and I I don't mind that you know people I remember when I was I said I wanted to move to LA and everyone was like oh my god everyone in LA is so fake and like people aren't themselves and people are just about the brand and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't care. I kind of <laughs> like that. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's not fun and it's a good time. Like I, I literally don't care. <laughs> well, you know, uh, LA gets this, the tag a lot. And I think from people who either never lived here or maybe came with an, a, not a defined sense of what they wanted to do and therefore mm-hmm. couldn't latch into anything uh because really it is yes it, is it an industry town yeah but that's good in a way because really good because there's a high concentration of things going on like if you want to be in film this is the place to be you can't you know you can't say oh i'm going to move mm-hmm. to chicago and make a big difference unless you're already creating something you know unless you already have uh like like jack white can live in michigan because he's a huge rock star he can do whatever he wants but mm-hmm. yeah and like in in the uk you'd have to be in a a major city or at least close to one in order to do your, to, to your I, business. I, I felt like that for so many years, but I feel like re- I've realized recently it doesn't matter where I live. Yeah. Because I'm always going to be working somewhere that I don't live. And you like, kind of live on YouTube. Yeah. Well, a lot of, if I'm not working like on tours, I'm doing YouTube videos, but like, it's like where I'm doing gigs. Like I was, I've been booked so much recently, but like, no, not in Manchester, like yeah. in bloody Chicago and or LA or you know it, it's it's all over the place. So it doesn't matter where I live. Yeah, um, right. You just want to be happy and have a nice home and all that. Palm stuff. Springs. Yes, exactly. I was going to ask uh, if that was a, a public information. Have you decided on a place yet in Palm Springs? No, because well, we we're trying to get off flat at the moment that we live in. Um, in Manchester. Oh, okay. To yeah. buy because I, I kind of I, I feel like renting a lot is you're just pissing money up the wall. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, we're trying to do that at the moment, but the goal, the dream, is to have a little bungalow in Palm Springs. Well, and that's good too, then, because you can Airbnb it when you're not there. Yeah, be- yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then- every time I tell an American that I want to move to Palm Springs, they're like, what? <laughs> really? Why? What are you going to do there? I'm like, I don't think you understand. I am an old lady. <laughs> and I like I like peace, unless I'm working away. So I kind of like, would love to have my own like lawn, the picket fence, and mm-hmm. um, sunbathing, and pools, and... And absolutely roasting in the heat. Yes. Plastic yeah. flamingos melting on the lawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first time I went there, I was just walking the short distance from the uh, living room or whatever to the pool. And I was like, oh my God, you have to, you, you do have to wear some kind of footwear to get to the pool. Yeah. Mm. But you like that. You like burning your feet. I know you're into a lot yeah, of I'm... strange things. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I, I'm all right with heat. I'm quite good with heat. Yeah. And um, I've been in drag in the most hot conditions in the world and i'm you know it is uncomfortable but i i am okay like i performed in san francisco during a heat wave and it was like (laughs) it was it was the most heat i have ever experienced in my life and there was no ac it's a swampy heat out there too yeah um but in palm springs it's really 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 hot Um, it, it, it is but it's dry it really is dry, yes. so it's all right. 
Yeah. yeah. They got good supermarkets, but yeah, you it, it's a little oasis. You can go there and then you're not that far from LA. So really it, what's the big deal? Yeah. I think I would love to live in LA or Palm Springs. I think. Yeah. Um, what If you were to move to LA proper, where would you go? I don't know. Mm. I don't know where's good mm. because people, I people tell me different places all the time. Someone said, um, someone said, uh, Koreatown, someone said um, Silver Lake, someone said Glendale. People are really um, divided. People are really like into where they live. Like I'm in West Hollywood. I dig it. Uh, but then there's East Siders who like don't want to go to the West Side. It's a whole thing. I don't know if I could afford West Hollywood. I mean, that is so expensive. Rent I control think people department. think I'm rich. I'm really not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I got a rent controlled place, so I'm very happy. I've been uh, about that, and I've been here nine years, and it's a quick walk. I'm in in between Melrose and Santa Monica Avenue, so mm-hmm. it's a good spot for me for walking, which I rarely do because I'm in here doing this. Um, but uh, I want to talk about your YouTube stuff and how fanatical you get with the editing and with the stuff. Are you a bit of a workaholic? Because I get the sense that you are. Um, yes, I think I am. I mean, I think I, if I'm not, if I've not done anything productive in a while or made anything, even if it's just a little drawing or something, I do get quite like, anxious, like, oh, I need to do something. Um, so yeah, I think I am not as much as like some drag queens, Jesus Christ, they don't stop. Well, it's um, so like tricks you mean. Yeah, does not stop. <laughs> but I really admire that. Like, Me too. I don't know where the hell she gets that energy from because I'm knackered all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Tired but busy. Do you uh, suffer from anxiety at all? Oh, yes. I mean, yeah. who bloody doesn't. Um, I I think it was probably, yeah, I've been on to Telegram for many, many years now. That's why I'm off my rocker. But, what, um, you've been on what? Sorry, I missed uh, what you said. I said Telegram. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forget because the names, this is the other thing that I learned going back and forth from the UK. Everything has a different name. And then I, I like, I vaguely oh, remember really? one. Yeah. Well, the, the prams though, uh, everyone, you know, the kids need prams and then some adults do too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, like El, 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 El or whatever. It, that's the Xanax over there. And I have oh, that. Xanax. That's yeah. what you all have there, isn't it? That's right. Alprazolam. Sorry, Alprazolam. That's right. And so I imagine citalopram is something similar to that because uh, the suffix. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. The suffix. Well, the thing is, I, 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 it's just to control my emotions a little bit. I think it's helped me control my emotions so much because I'm a very um, up and down person. Okay. Um, like you can see. You can see it in my drag. Like I'm not <laughs> like one minute I'm like, what? and that's been I'm like, oh. so it, it, it like I am a very emotional person. So it kind of just helps me not get into a panic. Yeah, well, I, the Xanax does that for me as well. And then I'm on a stimulant medication for ADHD and haven't for ages and ages. But I found uh, the it, like the anxiety thing I didn't realize. I just thought, you know, you think things are just particular to you. Uh, and then also the bipolar meds have helped tremendously too. But with, with mm-hmm. your uh, ups and downs, like how long do they last? Like how, how roughly would you, do you say like within a day you can just go up and um, down? I'm not so bad now because, mm-hmm. you know, it's how come helps so much. But um, 
don't know. I just go through bits where I'm like stressing about absolutely nothing. I get worried about really small things. Mm-hmm. If there's something really big and really serious happening, I'm okay. I'm fine. It doesn't yeah. bother me. But if it's really tiny and really doesn't matter at all, then I that's a big deal. That it's sounds like, like go ahead, sorry. It, it sound, it's like if I am, for example, um making a cup of tea. <laughs> it's gonna sound ridiculous. If I'm making like a cup of tea, um like my brain will go, okay, right, I've got to get a cup out of the cupboard, and then I've got to, and then I've got to turn the kettle on, and then I've got to get milk out of the fridge, and then I've got to, and then it just it overcomplicates itself to the point where I'm gonna die. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm right, you know what? I'll just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like a big thing, like uh, putting together some project or, you know, like planning a, a video that you got to edit, totally fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't usually struggle with that as much. I think I usually I'll just usually I'll just sort of throw myself into that kind of thing because um, I trust myself when it comes to cre- like creative stuff. Like instead of the um, teacup and worrying about I got to do this and then oh wait it's the kettle and I may be distracted by something else and it is the milk fresh, uh, it's just like it, it's it's laid out in your mind. You're like oh yeah okay I do this I do that I do this yeah. and then boom. Yeah, yeah I'm similar and this is more indications to me that you probably have ADHD. <laughs> yeah this this isn't even a podcast. This is literally like a therapy session and you are diagnosing me on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Craig. This yes. Should we call Doctor Craig? I love that. You know, I, 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 I'm not. This is not the first time I've been nicknamed that, and I, I love that. Uh, I think the first time was when uh, I was persuading a friend of mine to have a hair of the dog uh, because they were like woefully hungover, and I said, "Just listen. It's I, I know it's not the greatest thing to do, but just just have like a mimosa." And because they were like, you know, the the that depressed kind, of, like like anxious, like oh my god, uh, kind of hungover. And I said, just listen to Doctor Craig. And that was the first time uh, I said it. But then someone else says that as well. I like to do advice uh, stuff. I think probably because I've had so much uh, <laughs> bumpy uh, spots as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I wanted to think if there's anything else in that. See, this is my ADHD now, uh, blanking out. Uh, but oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah, I have three beverages next to me because I know that when I do a taping, I need to have water, and I don't want to. But I don't want to necessarily think about do I want water, or iced tea, or hot tea, and uh, so I'll just have everything uh, next to me. So it's all there, <laughs> all the options. Yeah. The whole bar next to you. Yeah, exactly. So what's up uh, for you before the tour starts? Are, like a rehearsals? Um, or I got co- I got a couple of things happening before the tour. Um, I'm, oh, what am I doing? I'm doing something on Wednesday. No, Thursday in London. Mm. I don't know whether I'm allowed to, uh, something to do, do with the scare maze, um, which will be very fun. Um, and then in, I'm doing a festival, um, it's called Glitter Bomb Festival. In, oh, in, um, yeah. I've heard of Glitter yeah. Bomb and I've wanted very, to go I'm very to... excited for that because a lot yeah. of the queens on the lineup I know really well. So it's going to be a right laugh. Mm. Um, but this from now till June is literally head down, uh, get it all like fleshed out, rehearsed. Um, because this show isn't really like practice a few lip syncs and then chat. It's like, it's like scripted and it's like musicals and it's singing and it's, and it's 
lobster claws. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, I just, I, I need to just crack on with it and make sure I get it finished. Lobster claws are really the true foundation of theater. Those not in theater at any point in their life don't know that, but I feel we can share that here. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And um, with your rehearsal process, have you had one uh, in before that was as it will uh, that was as, as intense as this one will be? Like, have you done a, a, a project, a film thing, or anything like that that is so complex or comprehensive before? No. Honestly, I can confidently say no, and mm-hmm. it's because it's because it's mixed singing, it's mixed pre-recorded lines, it's mixed um, sound effect cues, it's lighting cues, it's it's all very like choreographed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's a lot of stunt comedy this time. So last time was just like me being silly on a microphone, whereas this is a lot more like structurally written. Sure. Um, I'm sorry I missed you last time, but that's that's the time I got COVID, which I actually got retrieving a piece of luggage that they didn't lose. I left at the airport, so I was going back and forth, <laughs> not wearing a mask, and then I was struck down. So oh sadly, I missed your show. But um, but before well, we you'll go, see me again in LA. Yeah, exactly. I'm really looking forward to that. And I wanted to know also before we go, what's like a nice just day off with Phil like? What do you like to do? Oh, day off. What am I? I just love doing nothing. Sure. It's so lovely, like, just to not even think about because I'm constantly like running around the house, <laughs> sorting drag <laughs> out and bits and and rehearsing yeah. and shit. So I like to just, I like to just watch movies and relax and mm-hmm. with my gorgeous cat and, um, yeah, I also like playing Sims is a big way for me to unwind. Yeah, well, it's a it sounds like it's a tried and true methods. That's some horror films and oh, food. We didn't talk about food yet. What are some of your favorite things to eat when you're just hanging out? I love well, not when I'm hanging out because or anywhere you know yeah. it's expensive. But I love lobster so much. Oh. And when I was in America, you don't really have them in the UK, but oh, okay. seafood boil. Ah, okay. Is, is that the thing where they, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just like they throw it on the table. Yeah, or you get it in like a, you get it in like a bucket or something, and it's yeah, it's got loads of lobsters and crayfish and everything in it. I love just fresh seafood. I just really love um, on sushi. I love Japanese food as well. I'm way into sushi. If you are touring in uh, anywhere around Massachusetts or anywhere, go mm-hmm. go hog wild because that is the land I'm from there. Uh, it's the land of uh, not just where I'm from, but the lots of lobster, lots of uh, fresh seafood and so on. So go go nuts oh, there. Really? I wouldn't advise Michigan seafood because it's a bit landlocked. But uh, other than that. OK, I, lo- I lo- had um, amazing seafood boil in uh, Brooklyn. Okay, yeah. It was yeah. called Crab Daddy's, and it was so good. <laughs> oh my god, it was amazing. Yeah, there's no end of great restaurants in uh, in New York and and now in England because I guess about fifteen twenty years ago they figured they had to change that. Uh, and and of course I have to ask your favorite junk food. Oh, McDonald's. I mean, you can't go wrong with a bloody McDonald's, can you? Well, not the UK McDonald's. <laughs> oh, you did. Well, UK McDonald's is different because you guys don't have. 
Oh, well, you guys have all the restrictions that prevent like a lot of junk going in the food. So I can have, yeah. Like, eat, yeah, I eat all the ready-made stuff and everything from the supermarket here. I can't. Yeah. I went into, um, we got McDonald's in New York and it was literally like Greece. Just <laughs> still at the whole thing there. Very gorgeous. Yeah. Well, uh, before we go, first off, it's been lovely uh, having this extended chat with you. I mean, we had uh, good times and stuff, but to actually dig deep into uh, your life and other things. Yes, it's been been very gorgeous to share all of my personal life on here. (laughs) 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 All my mental disorders and medication. (laughs) Well, this is the show for it, quite frankly, given given (laughs) the host. (laughs) Well, Juno, Juno, yeah, pardon me, Juno, my love to you, my love to Phil. And Jasmine, my love to you as well. Thank you, my love.